Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. I don't think I really need to introduce Mark. (laughs) We're just glad you're here and we want to receive whatever the Lord has for us from you. So, welcome. <laughs> hey, good evening. Uh, seem to be so far away from you. Can I just come a bit closer? Is that all right? Uh, ah. <clears throat> Well, um, it's good to be here. That was your cue. <laughs> so it's uh, <clears throat> it's going to places, and people just say to me, uh, "It's uh, good to have you." I said, "It's good to be had." Um, I've um. Just um, come from uh, Pocatello just this last weekend, um, and um, <clears throat> it was a, um, an amazing um, just a, a, quite an interesting weekend. Uh, Dave Cronin and myself, or Dave and Deb Cronin and myself, took the weekend, and uh, uh, it was just really quite interesting to see the Holy Spirit working us two together and uh, you know some of the things that you would look like we had rehearsed and put together weren't it's just really a fun time and then prior to that I was in California I was with a group of um, uh, leaders and um, <clears throat> we uh, were invited by um, a, something that uh, I find really interesting that God is doing um, and uh, from the kingdom perspective so this is a company this is a company that um, um, is called Moxie, which means um, a spirit. En- excuse me, spirit and courage. And uh, so this company um, makes an additive that um, it puts into concrete and makes concrete therefore vapor-proof, not waterproof, but vapor-proof. Which is really interesting because um, it was developed by um, a Jewish chemist something like forty years ago, and uh, and so they've put this product together. And this company uh, has a, a gathering which is called Marvel, and it's uh, a gathering of people, uh, uh, you know, uh, once a week, which attracts you know two to three hundred people, and it's the company that that, that does it, and and this, it's just it's really interesting, really interesting to see what God's God's doing. Anyway, this company is celebrating; uh, they were celebrating the third anniversary of um, coming together or the the gathering, and so they invited the people that have imported into them. Uh, and I being one of them to come in for a week of celebration. And uh, I learned something. I learned that much of the church um, has learned how to fast. They know how to fast. They know the, the principles of fasting and they know how to fast. And fasting is important and so don't, don't hear me say anything else. But they've forgotten how to feast. Forgotten how to celebrate. And uh, if we understand that, that God, uh, inter- you know, right back in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament, worship was food and feasting before it became music and songs. And uh, I found out it's, it's, when you're not used to it, it's hard work to feast for a whole week. It is. <sighs> and... Um, all sorts of different ways of that we feasted and celebrated, but but it was also quite quite interesting. So it was really good good fun. So great to now be here. Just been in Douglas for a couple of days. Um, hmm. I felt like the Lord quickened the scripture to me, and so. I just want to um, share it with you. It's for, for the church here. Um, and it's uh, from Amos uh, chapter 9, verse 13. 
So Amos chapter 9, verse 13, it says this, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. So the, the scripture is speaking about Cheyenne Vineyard, right? So behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of the grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine and the hills shall flow with it. Um, this speaks to me really of a suddenly because the sower is sowing seed and he suddenly realizes that another person is, if I was in Australia, say another bloke coming um, and this person's job is to reap the harvest, but he's just sown it. So what it means is there's an acceleration on its way and the acceleration is going to take something that would normally take years uh, or a year was going to take months, and that would talk normally months, weeks. Now, about, I, I think about seven years ago, I remember being in conferences that Graham Cook held at, at um, Vacaville, and him talking about an acceleration in the spirit and using exactly those same words about a year into months and months into weeks and weeks into days and days into, into hours. And uh, when he said it, it so seemed right, but we didn't see it. Or I don't think we saw it like he was declaring it. So a few months ago, I, 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 just out of nowhere, the Lord says to me, Mark, remember that? And I said, yeah, I was there. I remember, I remember those declarations. He said, Mark, Graham was seeing very, very clearly. He was seeing so clearly that he saw it for now, but he was actually seeing 2016, 17, 18 and beyond. He was seeing ahead but he was seeing so clearly that he was seeing it like it was for now right so um this the scripture about um for you guys behold the days are coming says the lord and um and for me when when it says that it's like hey i'm gonna catch you off guard <laughs> and do something suddenly Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of the grapes, him who sows seed. Um, so, fun days ahead. All right, um, I, I feel like I've got some prophetic words to release to some people, and then um, what I want to do is I'm going to just do something um, um, a little bit different for, um, for tonight. That shouldn't surprise you. Um, <laughs> All right, um, Jay, I love it when, when God asks a question that he already knows the answer of. And um, I, I, I really, I, I just went into almost hysterics when I, when I, heard, when I, I, I heard God asking something of Jay. And it was this, Jay, where's the coffee? Jay, where's the coffee? And um, I know that we've had some conversations previously, but I suddenly saw um, that your uh, coffee beans are meant to be door openers and not garage storage. They are meant to be door openers and they are meant to open doors for the kingdom and open doors for you. I know that I had a conversation, there's also obstacles, and the Father says, I want you to talk to me about it because there's some out-of-the-box solutions to the obstructions, but I want the coffee. I want the coffee. <laughs> and so say all of us. Um, but no, seriously, uh, it's a door opener and uh, the Father's got some solutions and he's got some provision for making it happen because it's meant to happen. Yeah? Yeah.
Good. Okay. So it shouldn't be too very long. Um, Annie. Yeah, I um, felt the Lord tell me that uh, uh, for most of your your life, you have been represented as a. Um, um, uh, make sure I get it correct. A pocket knife. You know what a pocket knife is. So a pocket knife is very handy. Um, usually, when you need it, it's not there, um, but it's it's very 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 handy. Every, you know, who's got a pocket knife? Who's got a pocket knife? And um, <laughs> you've got one. Uh, so um, you you. But um, I, I saw hands come down from heaven, and the hands came around the pocket knife, and the and the pocket knife began to uh, change. And it changed into a Swiss army knife. So that there was much more. Um, and the, the, the pocket knife, if you'll excuse it, the pocket knife was uh, a little old. And um, the Swiss army knife became um, a whole new range of, of, of additions to that pocket knife. So it was more than just a pocket knife. It had quite a few additions. And I feel like God is saying that uh, he is adding to your life things now. Um, and it's because you have learned how to be the basic pocket knife that he can add the things to it because it won't distract from the uh, overall role that, that you played. So the main thing stays the main thing, but you can add to these these other things that God is going to keep adding to, adding to your life. So... Um, it's it so it means what it means for you is that uh, I think I've said this to you before, but I'll say it again. Your best days are still ahead of you, right? Your best days are still ahead of you, and you you can hang on to that word of the Lord and and use that to fight with anything that wants to come and to in any way, shape, or form um, bring down, you, you know, bring doubt to whether that's true or not. Now, it's Patty and Daniel, isn't it? Okay, I had this um, vision um, uh, of you. I saw you out walking in sort of like a forest thing, and you're on the, on the track, just enjoying it, and you come to a section where there is a fork in the track, and so the track goes off a little bit to the left or um, to the right. And so for a moment, you debate about which track you're going to take and then you you take the the left one and as you get onto the left one it starts to get uh rocky hard going it's not uh, at all a delight um it's not um all that good scenery um and you're walking on this road you're slipping on the on the thing and you're getting along and then i suddenly i hear you daniel say where's the keys where's the keys and i see you Plug in your hand and you can't find your car keys. You know they're gone, and um, and you're in a panic and you're all looking around there um, and you can't find the keys. And then this voice uh, comes from heaven and says, "Stop! Stop where you are. Stand still and listen." So you just stop. Just let the panic anxiousness just go away and then the voice says go back to where you to the fork in the road and wait there so you you retrace your steps you go back to the fork and you stand there and as you're standing there suddenly you see the keys the keys have right there and you and you and you pick up the keys and like there's just our happiness celebration you know, it's like, oh, I got the keys, got the keys. And then you hear the Lord's, this voice, which is the Lord say, now take the right path. Now take the right path. Um, and so it means the right-hand side, but it also means the right path. And uh, I, I think there's a place in which the Father wants to take you back some steps where you lost some things, where you need to pick them up again. And, and, and pick up 
a number of things. Joy is one of them. But pick up some prophetic words that have been declared. Uh, you need to pick up some things that are keys um, uh, for your future. Um, and then as you walk on the pathway, um, you're going to, it's going to be the right pathway. Now, the other pathway was, was, was okay, um, but it wasn't the right pathway. Um, excuse me, can you tell, um, I forgot your name, the lady that's looking down right at the moment, not looking at me. Yeah, I'm, yes, your name. Chris. Chris. Hello, Chris. I'm doing all right. Uh, <coughs> Chris, you have um, an evangelistic gifting, okay? Um, and um, uh, the Lord wants to take you into um, 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 more um, events of uh, divine connections and divine moments um, uh, with people. Uh, he wants to take you into uh, more and more of those times uh, when um, you will connect um, with people um, and be able to share with them and uh, I even see you praying for people out uh, around about um, the place um, because he wants to demonstrate, he wants to bring, the, he wants to the love of God. Now that's the thing that's going to be really evident um, and he's going to, He's doing a work in you, but more and more he's going to talk to you about his love and, uh, and releasing his love onto, into people's lives. All right. Good. I like it when a plan comes together. <laughs> now, um, some people say that um, I have an accent. Um, I don't think I have, but I, occasionally I find out that I do. The last time I was here, I was at um, um, Wellington, uh, Colorado, uh, down in Colorado, and uh, one of the I thought I think about the last night. I think I felt like we we're going to have a party, and so you know I said to the people, "Tonight we're going to have a party," and it was just dead quiet. I thought. You could be a little bit more excited, you know. I said, we're going to have a party. And it was just like nothing, you know, no reaction. And I s said, didn't you hear me? We're going to have, tonight I feel like we're going to have a party. And this lady puts her head out and I said, did you say we're going to go party? So, I, it, you know, I, I've got myself in a little bit of trouble uh, in places because I've used some words that um, I, people don't understand and they misinterpret. Uh, so, I, I, you have an accent. I don't have one, but... And, uh, and I, actually, I, I don't think you find out you've got an accent until you leave home. But I've also found out that we all have an accent in the way we see things. We have an accent in um, the way that we, we, we see life, how we see God, how we see Jesus, how we see the Holy Spirit, how we see uh, the church, all of those sorts of things. We see with an accent, we see with a perspective um, that's really different, <clears throat> different for all of us. Not only just from a cultural point of view, but certainly a church cultural point of view, but our experience and all those sorts of things. So I, I just wanted to take a few areas tonight that um, <clears throat> I've learnt and I've, I've seen really effective for people. And I, I really want to share one. And then at, at different times, I want to pray over us, over some of these areas. Okay? All right. Um, I was born into church. Uh, in fact, I was going to church before I was born. And um, so I've always been in church. I've, I've always, and I grew up with a view of God that I now, as I look back, was really um, was really wrong. 
um, I, I discovered that there was a leadership gift on my life, and um, I felt a call from of God to 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 be a full time uh, ministry from a very early, from fairly early age. But I said no, and I I, I fought with God for a lot of years. Uh, I don't recommend it. Um, and um, and I thought that if I said yes to God, now this is my issue, because I thought if I said yes to God, he'd send me to Africa. And for the rest of my life, I would have to put up with secondhand used things. I even had sort of a picture of people taking tea bags and drying them out, ironing them and sending them to me <laughs> after they've used them several times. So I thought that if I said yes to God, then I was going to live a life of, of, of hardship, never having anything, never having any, any, anything to be delighted, and it would be just hardship all my life because my view of God was, uh, was God as Scrooge, right? That all he wanted out of me is, is the last drop of blood and 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 all I had to do was put up with you know everybody else's stuff, because you know as far as as I do for you know a lot of a lot of Christians have a viewpoint that if they have something that's old and broken down and they don't need anymore they'll give it to the church. And if they have any money left over they'll give that to the church too. Um. And so, um, so I said no to God, and I fought with him, and I fought with him, and I fought with him for years and years and years, until I could fight, fight until I could fight no more. And I ended up being in a place where I said, "Okay, God, whatever, yes." Now nothing changed immediately, but something did change, and um, I, I then I left my career, and I've just celebrated 23 years of doing that. That wasn't the end. That was just one degree or one area of, of God that, that I had to change. So I'd always had this desire to come to America. I, I don't know why. I mean, you know why, but I didn't know why. Uh, I just had this desire that... Uh, that um, I figured God had put in me because there was no reason. I can't remember a point of seeing. I'd lived in England and worked for a little bit of time. Um, and, um, you know, it was okay. But I had this burning desire. I kept telling my children as a growing one day I'm going to take you to Disneyland. One day we're going to go. Uh, and from my, my perspective, our perspective, that was a huge deal back then. So I had this desire, and a friend of mine was ministering in our church um, that I was leading um, from the UK, and I told him about this desire, and he said to me, um, well, why don't you come? I'm doing a conference. Uh, you can be one of the speakers, and, uh, and I'm thinking, yes, my dream. Here we go. So I thought, well, I'll do the proper thing. And I'll ask God, but I know what the answer is because it's always been in my heart and he's put it in my heart. So I, I prayed and he said, no. And I bawled my eyes out. I, I think about it now thinking, Mark, come on, you're a bit stupid. Yeah, but I did, I cried and cried and cried because I thought he was saying no, never. So I, I finally got over it. it. Took me a while. And a friend of mine calls me up and says, Mark, I'm putting together a team to go to Pakistan. Um, and I need you as a pastor on that team because we're going to be teaching pastors about gifts of the Spirit and I need some, you know, to do some impartation and that sort of stuff. I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I have no desire to go to Pakistan. None whatsoever. I know what the answer is going to be. <laughs> So I thought, well, you know, I'll pray about it. I prayed about it. My goodness, I've never heard yes so loud. It's like, yes, Mark, go. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Where, where I want to go, you say no. Where I don't want to go, you say yes. So I'm thinking, God, I know you're not a Scrooge anymore, but you're a killjoy. 
So a friend of mine um, came and was pastoring a church. A friend of our family came and saw me one day and said, Lord's given me a prophetic word for you and this is what it is. I said, yep. Because you said no when the Father said no and yes when he said yes, he's going to give you America as a gift. So 16, 17 years later, here I am. And it's, it's, it's actually hugely amazing how I got to here and it'd be another story. My point is this. My view of God, my view of heaven has had to change. And it's continually had to change ever there because I have grown up with this view of who God is. And we all have views of who God is and some of them still limit us. Some, some of them are still like God's on a budget. And he's not. You know, he, he, you know, he wants his pound of flesh out of you and he doesn't. Because he has a plan for each one of us and it's a good plan. So would you do something for me right now? Would you just close your eyes? Father, I ask over every person here that you would reveal yourself once again to them afresh. The areas that we're all thinking about you that doesn't quite line up to your nature, I pray that you would adjust it in us. Father, give us a dream tonight. Come visit us. Come touch us. Come in some way, reveal yourself in, in a whole new way, in a fresh way that we may know you in ways that we've never done before. Father, we love you and we know you love us. Would you please reveal yourself and our wrong ideas so that you can take them, those wrong ideas from us and leave us with a new and fresh way of understanding. Father, thank you. Amen. You know, the scripture from um, uh, Romans chapter 8 that says that God works everything together for good. Um, I, I think a lot of us real think that, um, that God works everything together for good so that we're no longer uncomfortable or that we're no longer in difficulties. Uh, that's not actually what it's saying as much as I would like it to say that. Um, God works things together for good to show his nature because he's good. He wants to reveal his presence. He wants to, in the midst of circumstances, reveal who he is. Um, in, um, in, in the 1980s, and, and I, I, f I found out that you guys probably didn't have the song here, but there was a hit song in our country by a band called Boney M. Habonian had this uh, sort of more disco um, song. They had a number of um, songs. And, and um, one of them was called By the Rivers of Babylon. And it, it's taken directly from, they it just took directly Psalm 137 for the first four verses and put it to a song and it became a number one hit. Um, and um, let, me, let me just read it to you. So you, I'm sure you've, well, if this all brings back memories to me of the 80s. Uh, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mercy, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Or another version says in a strange land. Um, and one of the things that I've, I've, I've learned um, is that spiritual warfare is very much about operating in the opposite spirit. It's doing the opposite of what you often feel like. And so here we have the people of God 
they are captured and they're taken away from their country and they're taken into the strange land. And in this strange land, the people say, so play, your, play some songs. Let's sing the Lord's song to us. Come on, sing, celebrate. And, so, and they said, nope, we're hanging our harps up, we're hanging our musical instruments up and we are not going to sing this long in this land because we don't like this land. We don't like being held captive and we don't like being held a prisoner here and the circumstances are too great. Well, you don't change the circumstances by submitting to them. You don't change and, and so often in our flesh we don't want to do stuff. Uh, last year I was in a place where um, they, they had this uh, healing meeting and um, about 95% of the people that got prayed for got healed. Like it was like, wow, that's amazing. And the people that were doing it uh, had invited some people and particularly one that really needed healing and uh, they, rang, they weren't there. So he rang, rang this person up the next day and said, you should have been here, it was 95%. Why weren't you there? I wasn't feeling very well. Like it's a healing meeting. Like it's a healing meeting. It's like, oh. wouldn't it be good if you're not feeling very well to go to a healing meeting? Since you missed out. And my observation is that um, often um, the very things that we need are the very things that we will not feel like doing. So listen, my wife and I would go off to, uh, with the family go off to church meetings and, and f fairly early on we would start fighting. The kids would be fighting in the back. We'd be fighting with one another. Said, What's going on? I mean, we're about to go and she's going to lead worship and I'm going to preach and we're fighting. What's going on? I mean, we were, all, we were fine until we got in the car and started to go and then we realized, oh, wait a minute, something's going on. And so we started to say things like it's going to be a good meeting, isn't it? And it would diffuse things because we realized what was going on. The atmosphere was generating uh, some stuff. The enemy was stirring up some things uh, to try and rob from us what we were meant to go and lead and do. And so the, the, the time when you least feel like uh, reading the Word or worshipping is when you need to just step right into and worship because it's... It's where, your, it's where your breakthrough comes. And this was really quite interesting that, that they just hung up their harps. They said, no. Nope. So, Father, I just pray for courage and boldness upon every person here today that when, when the going gets tough, they'll pull on the resources, heritage, the courage and boldness from heaven and push on through. That, Father, this group of people will be known for their tenacity and their ability to bring breakthrough. Father, I prophesy that this is a breakthrough center. I prophesy that it's a breakthrough center. It's a place and a house of breakthrough. Father, in Jesus' name. Now, you know, the enemy always attacks destiny and calling. Um, but when he does, he just confirms the word of the Lord. Um, so um, this is often, this can happen. Um, I've seen it so many times. I've prophesied things over people, particularly in the area of healing. And, um, you know, like, you know, there's a healing anointing on you. And um, they, and the, the, often what happens is the sickness breaks out around about them, maybe in their family or worse. Well, two, two things. First of all, that's a confirmation of the word. Yes? The second thing is, Paul told Timothy, you wage the warfare with the prophetic words. You actually have given, been given something to fight with. And so... I, you know, often I give people something to fight with and they don't have a fight at that moment, but a fight happens. Yes? So you actually have to fight with it. But some people, some people go and hang their sword and their word up on the willows because it's too strange a land. It's good, Mark. 
It's very good. It's wonderful. Just it's just like, well, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. <laughs> now, let me talk about something that's a bit controversial. It may not be up here. And you've probably heard me say this before, but it's something that I've, I, I've, I've come to understand, but people will fight me on this. So if you want to have a fight, go and have a talk to Jay. <laughs> um, God is not in control. He's in charge, but he's not in control. And so a lot of believers believe that God is in control. And I suppose I did for a long time too until I started to think what that means. If he's in control, then he could be blamed for everything. Now, he's set things in motion. He's given us free will. He's set weather patterns in and all of those sorts of things. He's not in control of the weather. He's not in control of things. Now, he, we do see in, in, in adventure, we do all of those sorts of things. But you, you have to start to un, talk about what, what that is. Now, when God um, created us, he never gave us ability to have control over another human being, Right? And the fruit of the Spirit, which means the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God's nature, who God is, is self-control. So God controls himself very well, and I'm glad he does. Right? But he doesn't control anybody else. Now, if you understand, the fruit of the kingdom of darkness is about control and manipulation. Right? It's about getting their own way. And so God is, is, is in, and so if you understand this, if you begin to think on this, it's actually life-changing. It's actually in a place where you can help people to understand who God is because there's a lot of people uh, don't like God because they believe he's in charge, sorry, in control. They don't understand he's not, he's in charge. And so they have a whole lot of things against God because he let things happen. He was the cause of accidents or all of the sorts of things around about, and he's not. Um, and I get really ticked off when, when, when people start blaming God for things that he didn't do, but most people want something, someone to blame. The enemy would like you to blame him because he cra craves attention. Enemy craves attention. He really likes it when you start blaming him for something he doesn't do. Right? I think it would be a really good idea if all the Christians in the world actually stopped blaming the devil and just, who would really get ticked off? <laughs> so God is not in control. He is in charge. And if you have a difficulty with that, then just think about it. Just start to process through what it is to be in control. He is in charge. But it really makes a lot of difference when you see things through the eyes of God in, in, in charge. One of the, place, one of the things that um, I heard a lot spoken about growing up in church was these people, particularly, um, I, I, particular types of people would tell me about how they've been in a wilderness. And, uh, and how it was such a terrible time. Um, I'm sure there can be wilderness experiences for some people where it's a terrible time. But if you look in the scriptures, the times of wilderness were some amazing times. I mean, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And, uh, and had this wonderful, wonderful time. The people of God spent 40 years in the wilderness. Can, can, can you imagine experiencing the supernatural every day for 40 years i mean it must have been amazing i mean i know they complained they complained when all they had was manna and then they complained when they had meat all the time you know it's like i i know that but god was getting the complaining out of them right because when they went into the promised land the the whole million or so of them that walked around jericho stayed quiet for Seven days. I mean, that's a miracle. They go from the complaining every few minutes to staying quiet. Um, so certainly something happened. But um, in your life, when you come to a, um, a time of wilderness, it's really a time to, uh, to realize that God is doing something. 
Now, wilderness times are always transitional points. They're times where God wants to take an old time out of you and put in a new time. So Jesus comes into the wilderness, and he's into the wilderness, and in the wilderness, it's confirmed about who he is because the enemy attacks his identity, right? But in that wilderness, he moves from being Mary and Joseph's son, the carpenter's son, to the son of God. Now, he was that, but he moves where he releases that life of 30 years and he steps into his calling. He steps into the very thing that he is meant to actually start to walk in. So wilderness is a point of transition. And, and uh, I would say to you that you as a church have been in some wilderness place, right? And because he is transitioning you from one type of thing that you thought you were and put, bringing you into a place where you will begin to understand who you are. And to be able to walk in that. But you have to have a wilderness point. You have to have a transitional point. Because you have to let go of some things. You actually have to. Uh, and you determine how long that wilderness point will be. Because of how long. You, whether you fight with God or whether you go quietly. Whether you are you, you're proactively taking on things. And whether you actually are prepared to change the way that you think. So Father... I ask you to bring revelation and understanding, wisdom like never before into this household. That not only will it be a household of breakthrough, it will be a, a prophetic voice. That it will be a people that not, don't, that, not, that not only know how to declare the word, but how to uh, interpret the word to understand the Word and how to apply the Word. So, Father, I thank you for a spirit of revelation, wisdom, and understanding that will be strong in this household, that will be strong and on an ever-increasing, <laughs> an ever-increasing place, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now, um, I don't know what time zone I'm on, so I'll just keep going until Jesus returns. Is that all right? <laughs> so, oh, sorry. Okay. All right, just, 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 uh, just a little bit longer. Now, um, what, one, one of the things that um, I'm, I'm learning more of it, and I've talked with you about this before, and I'm writing a book about it. Um, it's. Uh, I just had a scare this morning. I opened up my uh, my iPad um, and I, I'd lost all my documents, and my book was on there. Um, I've I've tried to rescue. It. I think I've rescued it. I have a backup at home, but I've been doing quite a bit of work on it while I've been away. Uh, there you go. Uh, yeah, I've I am going to now put it on the cloud. I'm convinced. It's, I need the cloud of witnesses. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, um, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm understanding more and more is that we as the people of God, as sons of God, uh, uh, need to live as, as sons. Uh, let me explain that. I think it's best illustrated by what I've been teaching about, um, you know, who let the joy out. So... The joy giver, the source of joy lives in us, right? Yes? And he's waiting to get out. And so we have to change the way that we think because we've been taught all of these years that joy, for instance, is a response of something and that joy is not, is, is, uh, joy is a response to uh, circumstances, a movie or a joke or what else, we laugh at something rather than learning that joy is actually a catalyst and we need to learn how to release it. And there's so much of the kingdom that God wants us to understand already exists in us, you know, and sometimes I can hear God say, quit asking me for it, you've already got it. But you see, one of the, one of the, one of the, the sneaky 
um, strategies of the enemy is to get God's people working for something they already have. One of the strategies he's trying to get us is to pay for something that is we already have been given. Right? So therefore, we, we are on this um, treadmill going nowhere because we're trying to get something we've already got. And he did it in the, in the garden. He says, look, if you, if you take from this tree, then your eyes will be open and you'll become like God. Well, they already were. So, you know, he always tries to get us to um, go after some things that we've already got. And, and so, you know, I, I, I learned a long, long time ago that I don't ask God to bring healing to somebody's body. I, I release the healing. And some people have a hard time with that. Well, I know he's the healer. I'm not the healer. But I am his spokesman. I am the one, the hands, the, you know. So it's no good of me saying, God, and I've worked out this. I think a lot of people do it because if they don't get healed, then they've got somebody to blame, right? But if, if I'm releasing healing and somebody says, well, you know, I'm still the same, it's like, oh, I feel a little bit like, um, you know, it's like I missed, maybe I missed it or something like that. Um, and I think that we really... Um, we we and, and I'm talking about the the church. We 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 want God to do something, or we want God to do things that He expects us to do. Now I don't know if I've said this to you before. I'm sorry if it's one of your favorite songs, but um, I, I have a problem with some songs, like for instance, one of the ones that people sing is "Open the eyes of my heart, Lord." Now, I know Paul prayed that prayer, that the eyes of our heart would be open. But for me, that song says, God, would you do something that I can do? Would you open my eyes? And I almost feel like God's saying, just open them yourself. You know, so it's like, well, okay, how about if I was to sing the song? I'm not going to sing it, because, but if I was to sing with the words, I open the eyes of my heart so that I can see you more clearly. See the intentionality? Because if, if I don't see clear, then I've got somebody to blame. And I, I'm not talking about a conscious, I mean a subconscious thinking. So I think that um, God is highlighting and bringing us into a place where we realize that we have so much that we have to actually learn how to release. We actually have to learn how to let uh, the attributes of God out of us rather than be in a position where we're begging God for something because that's a beggar. Right? Now, a son knows that they have access to everything and they just start releasing it. They give away the, the father's money. They open the pantry and say, hey, you want some of this? It's dad's best. Here. And they know he delights in, in being able to do that rather than say, will you possibly, could you maybe? <laughs> so, Learning to release, to be releases of the things of the kingdom of God instead of being beggars. Um, I, and, and again, I, I could speak for all night on that. The next one I could speak all night for, on, and it's understanding that there's a difference between facts and truth. So, I, again, um, I think the church, and, and I've been in this place too, so... I'm not really picking on anybody, but we've, I've been through seasons, particularly um, from faith, that you can't, you, you, you can't talk about the facts too much. So if you're sick and you're not sick anymore, you know, it's like you could be, you know, everything's running and you can say, I'm not sick, I'm healed. And everybody looks at you thinking, you're stupid. Of course you're sick. You know, it's like, no. I am full of faith. Now, faith isn't faith isn't you know giving the facts um, priority. It's it's acknowledging the facts but not letting them lead. See, 
you have facts and then you have the truth. Now, facts are what everybody can see, but there's a higher and superior place called the truth. The truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. So it's what does Jesus have to say about these facts? So if your perspective is that the facts are either something you deny or something that leads you, then you have a problem. Now, most of you know that about four or five years ago, my wife was diagnosed with MS. Um, and uh, we prayed and we heard God say things about that he was going to heal her. We had lots of confirmation of that. But what happened is the MS got worse and worse and worse till she could hardly walk, had to use a walking stick. I couldn't travel with me. Um, was looking like I would have to stop doing what I was doing and yet the prophetic words were coming in the opposite. Until we started to say, hey, these are the facts which we can't deny and we have to attend to. But here's the truth and the truth is this is what Jesus said about the facts. So we're going to start to partner with what Jesus said and we're going to start to look for solutions. Right? Because this is what Jesus said. Now, we're not going to just sit here waiting for it to fall from the sky. We are believing. We are that things will, are going to turn around. But we are going to actually do what we can do because we're partnering with truth. We're in agreement with truth. We're not in agreement with the facts. Though we see the facts and though we have to attend with the facts. So when you begin to get an understanding of that, you start to see things differently because you're seeing from heaven's perspective to earth. You're seeing this in its proper place. Rather than it to be the, the, the leader, it now becomes something that you, that you, you work on. I've heard people say um, stuff like, um, um, my cancer or this. We actually never, ever, ever, ever have said that I can remember, um, and it's MS. We actually say she's being diagnosed. This is what the doctors have said. And so you know what? We got worse and worse and worse. And then there started to come a time where it started to turn. And things started to, to, to change to the point that she is not walking with a walking stick. She's walking quite well. She still has... A number of things, but that that they they're actually moving, they're actually changing, and what we've actually found is that little things that um, she does can make a big difference, whereas before it didn't. And um, and and it said to me a couple of times, and for her to say this, it's huge. She said, "Mark, the tide has turned." So that's what happens when you partner with the truth and you. You hang with the truth. You start to see it from God's perspective. You start to hear, what does Jesus have to say about the facts? If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, that's a really an important thing. What does Jesus have to say about the facts? Every time that we pray, something happens. Every single time we pray, something happens. So let me say that again. Every single time we pray, something happens. Well, that's getting a bit better, heating up in here. Um, and, and, but sometimes it doesn't look like it. Okay. So the children of God have a word that Joshua's got that the priests are to take the Ark of the Covenant and they're to go and stand in the Jordan River, which is in flood, and then the Jordan River is going to dry up and uh, they're going to be able to cross, right? So they take the Ark of the Covenant, the priests go in and they stand in the, in the Jordan River and, they st and God does what he said he's going to do. He shuts off the water 19 miles upstream. <laughs> he didn't tell them that. So they're standing in the water and their feet are getting cold, right? They're standing in the water. And I would bet that some of them, do you think Joshua heard right? Because the water's not going down. It is 19 miles up. And all of that water has to pass through until they're standing on dry land and the people can go across. You see, 
that illustrates what happens when you pray. Something happens. But sometimes it takes a while to get here. Some, sometimes it's 19 miles upstream. Sometimes it's, it's in a place, but it does, something does happen every time you pray. And I tell you what, the enemy loves to exploit this time and time again when we pray and it's like nothing's happened. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Listen. Doubt. You need to kick it out. Okay, because you, you, you have to be in a place where it's like, okay, um, this is what... Uh, I'm doing a lot of talking about prayer and prayer, prayer things tonight. You know, one of the uh, things that um, quite a few years ago I stopped um, doing, instead of um, asking God continually for something, I started to begin to thank Him for things. So my prayer life changed. Um, even from Father, I, I just thank you. Right, right now you're touching this person. Right? Because what that did was it sets me up and it sets up this place where God says, Oh, thank you. Great, Mark, you're using your faith. Let me touch it. Um, I, 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 I'm a, I'm, I thank God a whole lot. I, I'm really in a place where, God, I need this. I, I do, but I don't spend a lot of time on it. It's like, Father, thank you. Thank you that you're going to bring provision for here. Uh, Father, thank you that you, because that sets you in a place of faith. It sets you in a place of thanksgiving for a start. When you start to thank him for something, Father, I thank you that you're healing this person right now, that the sickness is going. Um, and so that when you actually live a life like that, and, um, and I just practiced it for quite some, and becomes quite natural. And that's what happens when you start to, to, to be like that, then you quit from begging God, right? Uh, he positions you as a son. Now, am I saying that we shouldn't be positioned? Of course we should. Should we be asking God? Yes, we ask him. But just be careful that you're not just... Um, you're not just using the same thing that you actually are using your faith and start thanking him for it before you actually see it because God speaks of those things that aren't as if they are. Oh, there's so many more things that I would like to say. Um, I live life um, and I more and more live it looking at how uh, heaven's going to come to earth. Uh, it's why I wrote my book, which is available if you don't have a copy. It's a great book. It's a really good book. It's a good book to give away. Um, that's available there too. Also, um, I have a, 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 a list there. Uh, once a month I send out a, a, a newsletter. Uh, well, not a newsletter, a Kingdom Thought. And if you want to receive that by email, just put your your um, your first name and your surname or your last name and your email address. Please write it so I can read it and I'll uh, put you on the list and it'll come out each month. Heavenizing earth is our assignment. And if you see life through the place of God's intention is that he wants to bring heaven to earth. He wants to bring the... He wants to so attack this place like heaven on earth. And there are a lot of Christians who are, who are living to die, who are waiting to get off the planet, who are waiting to get out of here. Um, there are people who are prophesying all sorts of doom and gloom about, listen, um, I actually think that our best days are still ahead of us. There is much more happening today um, than ever before. Um, you, you know, I know there are some wars, but listen, if you compare it, um, to, to, to way, way back, um, um, in a, even in the Middle Ages, there was a lot, a lot of fighting and warring going on. It's relatively peaceful now. And, and if you understand that as, as sin abounds, grace is going to abound even more. If you understand that the, the will of God is that earth be heavenized, then we've got, there's a lot to be done before the end. Right? There's not one country in the world that I know of yet that's a kingdom country. Right? There's, there's a lot of hell on earth and there's a lot of hell on earth because that's what a lot of people have believed um, is, is to be the place that hell is just can be rampant on hell. I'm just waiting to catch my flight to heaven and there I'll be okay. 
But actually, we're called to heavenize earth. And so if you live life, like how do we bring heaven? How today do I bring heaven to earth? How do I do it today? How do I release some way of heaven into my workplace or my school or wherever else today? If you live life like that, then you are actually partnering with the will of God. And he loves to show up. He'll send angels to back up his will. Oh, sorry. It's just... Got carried away a little bit. <laughs> no, seriously. He wants to heavenize earth. And, and, and so, you know, I'm here to remind you of that. I'm here to remind you that um, the best days are still ahead. I'm here to remind you that God has taken you as, as, a, as a church into a transitional time, into a time of wilderness and, uh, and you're about to come out of that into some new things because you have been willing to change, right? And, and Jesus said, repent or change the way that you think because the kingdom of heaven is nearby. It's at hand. We're in the kingdom age. We're no longer in the church age. We're in the kingdom age. And that's... An hour or so is worth of teaching. Father, let me pray for you. Father, what a delight it is to be amongst your people. What a delight it is to have seen what you're up to here in Cheyenne. Father, I thank you that um, you are positioning this people, Cheyenne Vineyard, to be uh, Father God, a significant part of the plan that you have for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Father, thank you that you're teaching some of them how to access heaven and to be able to take the resources of heaven and bring down to earth. Father, I thank you that you are raising up um, people who understand spiritual warfare in, a, in the way that you understand it. Father, I thank you that this is a breakthrough center. Father God, a breakthrough center. It's where people will get their breakthrough. It's where uh, tangible breakthroughs will be seen. Uh, Father God, as people hear, hear what you're saying, uh, Father God, what you say about the facts... Um, they will partner, therefore, with heaven, Father, to bring forth your will and your plan and your purpose. Father, would you strengthen every person here today? Would you bring them courage? Would you bring them wisdom and understanding? Will you refresh them, revive them? Would you visit them as they sleep tonight? with waves and waves and waves of refreshing, waves and waves and waves of your love, waves and waves of revelation. Uh, Father, that you would continue to reveal yourself to each one of us in new and fresh ways. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, just one thing as I was praying I, I just um, I've forgotten to write down there's a, quite a number of them that I didn't but one of the things that I've become more I understand more and more is that God's never been alone He's always existed in community the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and that everything that God has ever said and everything that God will ever say always comes through on the basis of community. It's, it's, it's always about partnering with us. And so the prophetic words that I release for some of you tonight are an invitation to partner with God. And the prophetic word for you as a church is an invitation to partner with God. Some of the best thing that you can say to God is, what do you want me to do to bring this to pass? So whenever you hear a prophetic word or some of you have got prophetic words that you need to get them back out again. You sort of know what they say, but you need to get them back out again and you need to reread them. And you need to ask God, 
Father, this, I know this is an invitation from you to work together. What do I need to do to bring this to pass? What, what's my part? Because often God is waiting for us to do our part before he'll do his part. Not because, not because he's stubborn or anything like that. He, he, just, he, just wants, he just wants to see our response. He just, he just wants us to start some things. And sometimes we haven't seen things start because we're waiting for him to start and, and he's waiting for us to start. You've got a Mexican standoff. You know, it's just like, you move. No, you move. You move. No, you move. Um, and so if you take those prophetic words out and have a look at them again and, and start to ask him what you need to do, and for some of you, uh, you're going to see some quick activation of those words that have been sitting with you for quite some period of time. So I want to encourage you to, to, to do that. Amen. Thanks for, thanks for coming out on a wonderful Wyoming night. It's got cold and, uh, and hang, hanging out with us. Thanks, Mark. Uh, I've really been uh, using prophetic words to uh, battle with for for the last year, more than I ever have in my whole life, and uh, it, it's fruitful uh, in enabling us to continue to walk in faith and hope. So, yeah, we need to do that.